According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse 2019, deaths from opioids are on the rise. In 1999, 8,048 people died from any opioid, and 3,442 people died of prescription opioids. But then the numbers rose. In 2017, 47,600 people died from any opioid, and 17,029 people died from prescription opioids. How did we let this happen? It is not just doctors and pharmaceutical companies. Nurses, the number one most trusted profession in America, play a role too. We are one team. One of my coworkers agreed to provide a personal testimony for this podcast. I asked her what factors she thinks drives physicians to order opioids and nurses to give opioids. For confidentiality, I will keep her anonymous and read her testimony. She has been a nurse three years and stated the following. I think physicians prescribe opioids if their patient's pain is uncontrolled, but I also think there are other methods before ordering them. I also think it's an easy way out for the doctor and the nurse to make the patient shut up. It's based on the patient as well. Some are more motivated than others to walk around or do things before just taking a pill. I think they are misused constantly, but it keeps the patient quiet in a busy environment instead of proper follow-up. It also depends on the nurse. Sometimes a pill is an easier fix versus taking them for a walk or offering them a heating pad, exercise, etc. Does this testimony surprise anyone? Unfortunately, it does not surprise me. When I was orienting on my unit, I questioned giving an opioid to a patient who had a vaginal delivery on a postpartum unit. The patient's Motrin and Tylenol were not spaced out, and actually the patient was given Motrin only about 15 minutes ago. The pain was described as uterine cramping. We did not have any available heating pads, and the patient was rating pain 7 out of 10. According to the order, oxycodone is to be given for pain 7 out of 10. I voiced my concern to my preceptor. I did not feel right about giving the patient opioid under these circumstances. I was told by the doctor that the order was to give oxycodone for this pain of 7 out of 10, and I was told by my preceptor that we have to treat the pain and to give the opioid medication to protect our HCAP survey scores. As a new nurse, I was shocked and, to be honest, felt quite helpless. I found that I was not alone. Others are looking into this issue. Age caps, as well as viewing pain as the fifth vital sign, have fueled the administration of opioids in the healthcare setting. A research letter by Lee, Hugh, Anglesby, Walji, Vermette, Shurjamaki, and Dupriest 2017 explored the relationship between opioid prescription and age caps surveys. Lee and colleagues discussed that physicians might prescribe opioids in hopes of increasing these scores. It was found that 40% of prescriptions after surgery at the University of Michigan's hospital are opioids. It was found also that opioids are shown to not improve HCAP scores. So, we have debunked the theory that opioids improve HCAPs. How does pain as a fifth vital sign connect? Levy, Sturgis, and Mills 2018 discussed the relationship between pain as a fifth vital sign the numeric pain scale on opioid addiction. Naming pain the fifth vital sign pressures extreme measures to treat pain. The article encourages pain as a discussion and gives details on how to do this. A numeric scale has been found to mislead proper interventions. This was seen in my example where opioids were given for pain seven out of 10, even when it might not have been necessary. Levy, Sturgis, and Mills 2018 recommended asking further questions on the patient's pain. For example, what has worked in the past, or what makes it worse, or what does it feel like. These factors should then be considered instead of basing treatment off just a number. Encouraging eating, drinking, and ambulation can reduce opioid use. 
If opioids are needed, then it's recommended they are properly weaned and disposed of to reduce abuse. Great, so we have determined that opioids do not improve age caps and that basing opioid prescription off just a number is not efficient. What can nurses do then? Let's narrow things down to a single unit. Burgess, Harris, Wheeling, and Dermo 2019 discussed specific examples of how nurses can decrease oxycodone use on a postpartum floor for postoperative C-section patients. Instead of using opioids, the following interventions were implemented. An abdominal minder, walking, chewing gum for bloating, peeing regularly, relaxation, regular Motrin and Tylenol, semethicone, a stool softener, comfortable clothes that do not rub the C-section incision, and a comfortable position. This bundle implementation was successful. There was a 61% decrease in morphine milliequivalents given and a 50% decrease in oxycodone given. We have now established that there are other measures that can be taken before opioids. All of these interventions are nursing related. It is part of our drug taking culture to expect a pill to fix our problems and our pain. Personally, I was shocked to discover opioids were prescribed so loosely and slightly frustrated by the lack of evidence or reason for opioid prescription. I have gained a deeper understanding throughout the course in regard to the origin of opioid prescribing. It's my goal to understand how to stump the issue through determining root cause and educating based off evidence. So what now? Nurses can educate themselves on the topic and spread knowledge. Nurses can voice their concern to physicians and peers. Nurses can educate patients on opioids, and bundles for pain interventions can be implemented. Through pain assessment, proper pain assessment, opioids can be reduced, and self-care for healthcare providers to prevent burnout and abuse of opioids. There are so many ways that we can step up and help end America's opioid crisis. Nurses are at the bedside, and that's where it all starts. Thank you. Thank you.